0: LYNN HILES MINISTRIES PRESENTS DR. LYNN HILES THAT YOU MIGHT HAVE LIFE. AND HERE'S YOUR HOST, DR. LYNN HILES. Welcome back to the program again this week. I trust again that you've been joining in every week and uh, following our ministry as we continue to uh, teach this series out of the book of Matthew. And I, I trust you've been blessed. Thank you so much for your encouraging words and, and your cards, letters, phone calls, Uh, Also, when you write to us or you call, please let us know what network you're watching us on. That way we uh, can be good stewards of where we are putting our finances. If you're watching, you know, on a certain network, let us know that when you write or you uh, uh, send us an email or whatever. And uh, we definitely appreciate hearing from you. Once again, there are several things we're going to begin to share, but if you've missed any of the programs, we've been dealing with this from Matthew 3, Matthew 4, Matthew 5. For weeks now, and uh, we're going to continue with the Beatitudes today. But if you missed any of them, you can go back to our uh, um, you can go back to our YouTube page. And you can watch on demand or you can go back and you can uh, sign up for our podcast and uh, you can get the audio portions of the program uh, delivered to your smartphone. There's also a link there for uh, Android devices with an RSS feed. The best thing to do, the easiest way is simply to go to my website at lynhouse.com and there is a link there that will uh, take you directly to those things. So be sure and watch and tell your friends about us and share them on your Facebook page. Go to our YouTube and share them. We, We appreciate you helping us to get the gospel out around the world. I want to go back to Matthew 5 because we're going to begin to dive in here again. Matthew 5, I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain. When he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. I don't know how far I will get uh, uh, in that particular sh- uh, segment. But I want us to go back and, and deal with this whole thought, Blessed are they who mourn, for they shall be comforted. I-, I want, you know, last week as I began to share the Beatitudes, what we begin to share with you is that Jesus and John the Baptist came on the scene preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Now, without taking a lot of time again to try to define this, What they're declaring is repent means change the way you think. They're changing the way you think specifically about the kingdom. What are you saying, Brother House? I'm saying that up until John the Baptist, the government that governed them was the government of the mosaic system of the law. But when John the Baptist and Jesus start preaching, repent, the kingdom is at hand, he's telling them another form of government is coming on the scene. And he teaches these, what we call beatitudes. But beatitudes are simply attitudes that we need to be in. So when he's teaching these beatitudes, uh, he is saying to them, here's what's going to cause you, first of all, to receive the kingdom. Now, last week, what I put a special emphasis on, we only got to one of these Beatitudes. Because Jesus is teaching this. He said, you're blessed if you're poor in spirit, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. And we talked about the difference between Old Covenant and New Covenant, that Jesus, talking to an audience here who have not yet really fully seen the inauguration of the kingdom, they are seeing the introduction of it and the attitudes that it takes to receive it. He's saying to them, you're blessed if you're poor in spirit. Now, once again, that does not mean to me that we go around with our head hung down in the molly He's saying, if you don't recognize the deficit you are in under this old covenant paradigm, if you don't realize that it is a system that is bankrupt of spirit, and you don't get hungry for the spirit, you're not gonna receive the kingdom because the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy it's located in the Holy Ghost. The promise of the new covenant is not more rules on rocks. The promise of the new covenant is that he gives to everyone the Holy Spirit. When John preached, repent the kings at hand, he said, the one that's coming after me is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. And, and, and what he's going to give you is the promise of the spirit. Go to the upper room till you be endued with power. So the thing that the old covenant did not have and an attitude he's teaching them that they must have in order to receive the kingdom is to realize we are in a real deficit as far as spirit is concerned. And we talked about last night uh, how that, uh, you know, uh, under the old covenant, you, uh, you, you, you had to redouble your own efforts. You entered into this struggling mass of a roller coaster ride. But Romans 8, we read it to you from the Message Bible last week, where it says, instead of redoubling our own efforts, we simply embrace what the Spirit is doing in us. The Spirit is the supply. Old covenant is full of demand. New covenant is full of supply. God has given us something incredible. And that is His own Holy Spirit that he places within us, that that brings with it all of heaven's resources. Jesus said, it is expedient for you that I go away, because if I don't go, the Comforter will not come. But if I go, I'll send you another, the Comforter, and he will teach you, and he'll lead you and guide you in all truth, and he will tell you the things concerning me. The Holy Spirit... We shared with you last week is to the New Covenant what the law was to the Old Covenant. Under the Old Covenant, they got rules on rocks 50 days after they left Egypt, and they got the law, 3,000 people dropped dead in the New Testament, 50 days after Jesus, the true Lamb of God, is slain. They receive the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit is to the New Covenant what the law was to the old covenant. And then he comes in and says to them, blessed are you that mourn, for you will be comforted. Uh, I, I believe it is. Let me, let, me, let me see real quickly if I can find this. I think it's Isaiah 61 and verse number two. Uh, it talks about uh, uh, the blessed are, uh, let, me, let me see if I can find it real quick that way I don't misquote it. Isaiah 61, he says, uh, uh, verse one, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty liberty to the captives, to opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort, to comfort all those who mourn, to comfort All who mourn to console those who mourn in Zion and to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Now, Isaiah 61 is the very first text that Jesus preaches from. In his first public debut message, he preaches in the temple. When he stands up to preach, just a few chapters later here, he's going to stand up and say to them, go get me the book of Isaiah. And he got the book of Isaiah, and he found the place where it said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Uh, uh, he, he sent me, well, let me go back to, he sent me to, to, in order to preach the good, good news to the poor. Again, you could connect that with the first beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit. In other words, he's saying, He sent me to preach the gospel. I think he's dealing with not only just a, uh, a poverty that was on people in the physical. Yes, that he did come to preach the gospel even to the poor, thank God. But if you ever preach the gospel to the poor, they won't be poor anymore because the gospel empowers you to come up out of poverty. But one of the things that he's saying, he sent me to uh, preach the good tidings to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to set set liberty to the captives. That's people who are under the bondage and legalism of law and opening of the prison to those who are bound, to set us free, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, which is the day of the favor of our God. When Jesus stood up, I I want to point this out. When Jesus stood up and preached his first public message, And he preached it from the book of Isaiah. He stands up and reads this. That he has sent me to declare the year of the favor of our God. Jesus said that in the beginning of his ministry. Probably, uh, you know, I, I don't know exactly the date. Probably somewhere between 27 A.D. and 30 A.D. He stands up and preaches that God has sent me to declare the year of the favor of our God. And he does not, if you read this in the Gospel of Luke, I believe it's Luke 4 where he, he does this, he does not finish this verse, because the latter part of this verse says, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, which is the year of the favor of our God. But he also says, and the day of the vengeance of our God. He does not, in Luke 4, declare the days of vengeance. The reason he does not declare vengeance is because they still have opportunity as a Jewish nation to receive the favor of God and to come into this Uh, year of the favor, this year of jubilee, if you will, because this year, the acceptable year of the Lord, was the year of jubilee. And Jesus did not preach like some glad morning. And one of these days this is going to happen. He said, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. The jubilee was more than an event. It was a person. And he was standing right there to give freedom to the captives. Freedom from what? Freedom from sin? Absolutely. But freedom also from the law. Freedom from the tyranny of a system that is bankrupt. He sent me to preach the gospel to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, and to set at liberty them that are bruised, To comfort all who mourn in Zion, because under the Old Covenant you were mourning, but He wanted to give them beauty for ashes. So, in Old Covenant paradigm, He said, You're blessed if you mourn because you're about to be comforted. Mourning should not be the ongoing reality of the New Covenant believer. Mourning is what is accompanied with an Old Covenant. So, when He says to point unto them uh, who mourn in Zion to give them beauty for ashes, the garment of praise for the Spirit of Heaven is that we might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of healing. We will get down into one of the next Beatitudes where he'll say, Blessed are they that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. He's speaking to an old covenant audience saying, If you get hungry for righteousness, there's another kind of righteousness that's coming on the scene. I I, I have to submit to you that in the New Covenant, as New Covenant believers, we're not hungry and thirsty for righteousness. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, I will give you water to drink and you will never be thirsty again. Because what has happened is, in the New Covenant, when you understand the New Covenant righteousness, is not based on your performance. It's based on a gift. Then you receive it. And you re- begin to say, well, look, listen, I've already been received righteousness based on the fact that it came to me as a gift. So if I'm in the Old Covenant, I'm thirsty for righteousness. In the New Covenant, I realize I've already been filled. I mean, we, we, we cannot keep on going on year after year after year after year after year after year. Say, I'm thirsty, Lord, for righteousness. I'm thirsty, Lord, for righteousness. Listen, at some point, uh, we've got to realize he gave us exactly what we were thirsty for. And that was a right standing with him that was based on what he did on Calvary. Now let me come back and just uh, touch this again, because he, not, he in, in Luke 4, when he is saying, he has sent me to declare the year of the favor of our God, it's because they still have time to be able to receive God's favor. Now later on in the book of St. Luke he begins to prophesy and say to them, uh, let me see if I can find that very quickly. I don't know if I can find it uh, or not very quickly, but I think it's Luke 18 or Luke 19. Uh, let me see if I can find it very quickly. Uh, but he, he begins to talk to them. Uh, it, I'm, I'm not looking in the right place, but he says to them as he begins to declare uh, what would be the Olivet Discourse. Jesus begins to say to them, when you see Jerusalem encompassed with armies, you will know that it is near even at the door. He was prophesying concerning the coming of the Roman armies that would come uh, almost 40 years, well, it would be almost exactly 40 years after Jesus gives this prophecy. And the writer of the book of Luke said that these are the days of vengeance that all things which were spoken might be fulfilled. And uh, when he was talking about the days of vengeance, it was 40 years after he had preached his first public message, offering them the year of the favor of our God. So to those who were rejecting their Messiah, for those who were rejecting the kingdom, for those who were rejecting this marvelous offer, that he's even offering, see he's offering them on the mount here in Luke 5. He is offering what I call the constitution I'm not Luke 5, Matthew 5. He's offering them what I call the constitution of the kingdom. And he's teaching them attitudes that will teach them how to receive the kingdom and how to receive the, the, the new thing that he was offering. So you're blessed when you're poor in spirit. You're blessed when you mourn, because if you've been mourning in Zion, you are about to be comforted. When again, I, I think even accompanied with the Holy Spirit, he calls him the comforter. <laughs> Hallelujah. He calls him the comforter. The comforter will come. And if the comforter comes, then he's going to lead you and guide you into all truth. So you're blessed if you mourn because you're about to be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. That's part of the package of my Father's will, if you will. It's part of the package. Let me, let me, uh, I will get this. Let's go quickly. Uh, I don't know how quickly, but we're going to go to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3. I love this uh, chapter. It's probably one of the most uh, popular chapters in Ecclesiastes. But it says, to everything, this is chapter 3, book of Ecclesiastes, there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. Watch this. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to gain, a time to lose. A time to keep, a time to throw away, a time to tear a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak. There's a time to love and a time to hate. There's a time of war and there's a time of peace. He goes on to say, What profit has the workers from that which he labors? I've seen the God-given task which the sons of men are to be occupied. He has made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he has put eternity. This word, eternity, I want to point out, is the Hebrew word olam, or age. He has put the age in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from the beginning to the end. I know that there's that nothing is better for them than to rejoice and to do good in their lives, and also that every man should eat and drink, enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. I know that whatever God does, it shall be forever. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be taken from it. God does it that men should fear before him. That which has already been... And, and what is to be has already been. And God requires an account of what is past. Now that's to me a powerful piece of scripture. Now let me just see if I can describe this. I see everything through an old covenant, new covenant paradigm. When I read this in Ecclesiastes, the key verse to me is God has put the olum in their heart. God has put eternity in their heart, so that no man can find out the thing that God does from the beginning to the end. What I begin to see is that the olam that was in the hearts of those in the book of Ecclesiastes is the age or the olam of the law. If you are setting up under the age of the law of this old covenant, then you are trapped into a roller coaster ride of there is time to love, there is time to hate, there is time for war, there's time for peace, there's time to mourn and time to dance. Now, what I want you to see is that he's preaching here in the book of Matthew. For those who are mourning, you're about to be comforted. So here's what I want I hope I can make this make sense to you. If you are mourning, it's because you are still up under an old covenant paradigm. Because under the old covenant, it's time to mourn. In the new covenant, it's time to dance. In the old covenant, there was time for war. But in the new covenant, the warfare has been accomplished. Jesus... Has won the battle. He's won the war, and we're no longer in war. There's time for peace. Under the Old Covenant, and he goes on to say, that which, has al- that which has already been and what is to be has already been. And God is requiring us to find out what is already been accomplished or what's already passed. In other words, I like to see it like this if you can look beyond the Olam of the Old Covenant, and you can look clear back to the foundation of the world. And you can look back at that which is past. If you can look back at the finished work, if you don't even look at it like that, if from the perspective of your living room right now, you can look at what God has already done about your problem in the finished work of Calvary. If you can, God is requiring an account of what's past, what he's already done. If If you can do that, you will step out of that old covenant season and time, and you will begin to step into God's time because in God's timing, everything is beautiful. The moment you step out of that old covenant olam, that old covenant age, that old covenant consciousness, and you begin to shift your attitude, a attitude then you will begin to realize that a lot of stuff that you keep going through, you don't have to go through. If I could just go back through this list now and just kind of put it like this and make it a little, a little bit clearer, To everything there is a season, a time to every purpose under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die. Can I say it like this? Under the old covenant, it was a covenant of death. In the new covenant, you've been born again. Under the old covenant, it was time to plant. Jesus sowed so that we could reap. It's time to pluck what's planted now. It's time for us to reap what Jesus sowed. Under the old covenant, it was a time to kill. In the new covenant, it's time to heal. In the old covenant, it was a time to break down. But in the new covenant, it's a time to build up that all things. Ephesians 4 says, let no corrupt communication go out of your mouth, but only that which is good to the use of edification to build up. In the new covenant, it's time to build up. In the old covenant, it was time to weep. In the new covenant, it's time to laugh. I love this because this is what Jesus is virtually saying in Matthew chapter 5. He's telling you what time it is. It's time to move into the laughter. He said uh, there's a time to mourn and a time to dance. Blessed are you that mourn. If you've been mourning, that's Old Covenant, but you're about to dance. I I don't know, man. I get excited. This makes me excited because it's time to dance. And the Old Covenant... It was time to cast away stones. In other words, it's time to quit throwing stones, it's it's time to quit stoning everybody to death, and it's time to gather lively stones together. In other words, it's time to quit throwing stones and become the lively stones, and time to gather stones. Uh, There's a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. Under the Old Covenant, it was excluding everybody. It was uh, only to a certain, uh, to the Jew first. But in the New Covenant, he embraces both Jew and Gentile. And what we could not embrace before, we can now embrace now. Uh, Under the Old Covenant, it was time to lose. But in the New Covenant, it's time to gain. Under the Old Covenant, it was time to throw away. But in the New Covenant, it's time to keep. In other words, this is not a covenant we're about to lose a bunch of stuff. It's a time, hallelujah, to keep. There's time to throw away and time to keep. In the new covenant, uh, it's time to sow. And in the old covenant, it was a time to tear. Can I tell you one of the things that was torn and rent was he rent the veil from the top to the bottom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's a time to keep silence and a time to speak. I believe under the old covenant, I believe if you're preaching an old covenant paradigm, it's time to keep silence. I believe that it's time to be quiet. But if you're preaching the new covenant, it's time to speak. Under the old covenant, you had time to hate. But in the new covenant, you have to have time to love. The new covenant is a message of love one another. In this, see again, everything about this is screaming new covenant to me. Jesus said uh, the whole law is fulfilled in this. To love your, to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind and love your neighbor as yourself and all of this, the whole law is fulfilled. Love is the fulfillment. Everything that flows from love, if you start to operate in love, then you're not going to want to do your neighbor wrong. If, you go, if, you, if you're going to live in love, you're not going to want to kill people. If you walk in love, you're not going to want to hurt your spouse or your children. Everything functions from the dimension of love. In the New Covenant, it's time for peace. In the Old Covenant, it was time for war. But Isaiah 40 said, your warfare is accomplished. That the warfare, the battle has already been won, and the victory is ours. So as you can see, all of these Beatitudes are attitudes that lead up to showing you how that we are moving. Jesus is simply showing them what it takes to repent. What it takes to change their minds. And so he's giving them these beatitudes. He's telling them, again, you're blessed if you hunger and thirst for righteousness because you will be filled. Under the old covenant, your righteousness is based on your performance. But in the new covenant, it's based on a gift. So our righteousness thirst has been filled. Uh, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Everything about this is screaming what is transpiring to give birth to the kingdom of God in this first century. He's saying, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And then he goes on to say, You're the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its savor, wherewith shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled under the foot of men. You're the light of the world, a city that's set on a hill that cannot be hid. Everything about this is screaming New Covenant. Everything about this is screaming, Here's attitudes you need to change. You're blessed when men persecute you. You know, it's a tragedy to me that we we stand now in the New Covenant and that we're still being persecuted for trying to bring the new covenant message of grace to the continent and to the world. And to me, uh, we certainly at this point should have been received like crazy because that's what Jesus was saying 2,000 years ago, but here we are still. 2,000 years later trying to get people to see we're not under an old covenant any longer. We're under a new covenant. We're under the government of the kingdom. We're under the government of the spirit. And we've made that transition. I'm telling you, this is a new day. It's a new season. And it's time to rejoice. We're just about to run out of time. So I just want to thank you again for tuning in. I want you to take a moment, if you would, to call the numbers on the screen or to go to our website that you see there on the screen. And if you can help us to take the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of his grace around the world. It takes partnership to be able to do that. Uh, Maybe you could take a moment and go sign up for our message of the month club. Our message of the month club is one message that we teach that's similar to the things you're hearing on television. We send it out every month for a subscription of $7 a month or $70 a year. That's part of our partner base that helps us reach around the globe with the gospel. Why don't you sign up for that today and you'll not only be able to receive a message, but on that we will give our itinerary and where we're at and you can come be with us in a meeting somewhere and meet us and talk with us and we just love it when you come and we can get to meet our television audience take a moment to do that today or to call that number and sow a seed into the ministry it's what helps us take the gospel around the world god bless you and thank you again for your support the word repentance means to change your mind the message of john the baptist and of jesus was to repent for the kingdom of god is at hand the kingdom of god is accessed by a change in our thinking If you are in outer darkness, there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. That reality is not always out in the distant future. It is in people's lives right now. One simple mind shift can move you out of darkness and weeping and into light and rejoicing. God wants to wipe all tears from our eyes and replace our weeping with joy.